7.03 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. You are listening to your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Specifically, the Halford & Bruff Show. Halford & Bruff in the morning is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. North Star! Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Three dealerships to serve you better. North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley, and my personal favorite, Brard Acura on Terminal Avenue. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. So we need the listeners to talk us through not getting upset by people in the Dunbar Lumber text line, like this person who followed up our conversation about the very complicated Canucks cap situation as they try to uh, get down to the 23-man opening day roster and text in and sounds like a lot of rambling on about potential cap issues, but you didn't put actually put any effort into spending five minutes and provide factual numbers. Uh, first of all, that would be impossible because there are so many things we don't know about what the Canucks are going to do, and that was the whole point. It is a very complicated jigsaw puzzle that I imagine Emily Castonguay is going to be uh, responsible for, along with Patrick Galvin and maybe Jim Rutherford, if he's good at math. There are lots of decisions that the Canucks have to make. Like, I don't know, who makes the team, first of all, would be a big decision. Second of all, who are they willing to risk putting on waivers? Who is, who is, who is healthy? Who needs to go on LTI? Who do they not want on LTI? For us to provide, quote-unquote, factual numbers, first of all, that'd be pretty boring to listen to. You're like, oh, we got Justin Dowling going on LTI. That's 750000 off the book, so we'll take that off. Be really boring. It's impossible to do without all the information. Let's go to the phone lines, shall we? But it's a good thing we're not getting sidetracked. Let's go to the phone lines. We are going to be joined now by our good buddy from The Athletic, Sean Gentilly, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Sean? Boys, how are we doing? We're fine until the break. Now we're rattled. We get distracted easily. You've hung out with us before. You know this is the case. (laughs) Yeah. Look, that dog has a poofy tail, that kind of thing. What? something shiny yeah oh my god <laughs> hey you are in the midst of what we like to call preseason hell which is where you have oh. to go game by game team by team preview by preview it is a, a very arduous task you're undergoing at the athletic right now you're doing these very detailed team previews for all 32 teams and you're utilizing a model which i'm not sure if folks out there are aware but tends to come under scrutiny at times where it has very accurate and detailed projections about where teams uh, are going to end up at the end of the year. Uh, what's this been like? Because I know you're right in the throes of preseason mode and preview mode right now. Brother, I'm done. We ran the last two today. Beautiful. Like, I feel like I haven't – I feel like I've just been locked in the vault for the last, like, three weeks. <laughs> like, you're talking about, you know, potential lineup decisions by the Canucks or, like, who they're going to put on waivers or whatever. I have no clue what any team has done over the last like seven days, <laughs> them, them included at the top of the list, because I've just been in like bunker mode, typing thousands of words about, you know, whether, uh, whether uh, Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov are like capable, you know, competent 
NHL goaltenders or the core of the Anaheim Ducks or what have you. It's all been, it's been a blur. It's over now, though. Thank God. But I'm going to make you talk about it. I'm sorry, Sean. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that's which fine. one was the? Which one when when you? Um, did the analysis of it, and you were doing the write-up for which one had the largest variance? Like, wow, this team could actually be pretty good, or it could be a complete disaster. Maybe one with shaky goaltending. I don't know. I think that's always that's always the move, right? Like, you you look at teams that you know do have that kind of question mark in that. I mean, like I, I know the the Leafs are fresh on my mind. Clearly, I mean, and I'm sure from a statistical standpoint you know, the variance might not be there, but it's just really tough for me to sign off on a team that's, that's, that's rolling up to a season with, with Matt Murray and, and Sam Sonoff. But that's it. You know, you, you scout out the teams that have, you know, major, major question marks in net. And I think that's part of it. I mean, that, that's at least one thing that, that the Canucks had going for them. I know there are a lot of people who were, you know, thought that they were too low and there were some people who thought they were too high. I think they clocked in at 18th overall out, out of 32 teams. But the one thing that not, they didn't have to worry about, at least relative to the rest of the league, was uh, was Demko. He's pretty good. What was the one you got the most pushback from? The Rangers. Big time. We had them, um, I think they were 11th. No, they're 14th. 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 See, that's, that shows you. That's, uh, they, they probably should have been 11th, honestly. This isn't my numbers. Like these aren't my numbers. I just blame Dom. Yeah. I blame the computer. Yeah. Like it's a stupid computer, right? Dis- if there's stuff, if there's stuff that people disagree with, I blame the computer. And if there's stuff that people agree with, it's all me. The good stuff is me. The bad stuff is everyone else. But yeah, the 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 Rangers got got a ton of pushback for it. And it's understandable, right? Because you know we just saw them go on a run, and we saw them go on a run with a team that started out last season with the same questions you know, maybe we or whoever else has about them this season, which is, you know, are they going to rely too much on, on Igor Shesterkin and are, in, in that power play? And do they have enough, you know, guys and enough depth at five on five? And that's a tough thing for people to parse, understandably, after we saw them, A, fix that problem midstream last year by all the guys they added at the trade deadline, and then go on a pretty impressive run. So to see them start out last season, Base, or start out this season basically with, with no net growth from last year's projections and also the fact that it's the Rangers fans and their, and their psychos generally that sort of, yeah, we were, I, I had to, I had to mute the, mute the conversation on the, on, on that tweet of the chart last week or, or, or whenever it dropped. Uh, the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. I mentioned that because, one, there is a Rangers tie-in. A tie Their new goalie, of course, is Alexander Georgiev. And he ta- there's a goalie tandem there with Francois that will be probably yeah. under the microscope as much as last year's tandem was, which didn't necessarily matter because the Avalanche went out and won the Stanley Cup. Anyway, what are the projections for this team? Because there have been some departures. Obviously, Kemper gone, Kadri gone. But at the end of the day, like it's still Nathan McKinnon. It's still Kale McCarr. There's still the Avalanche. Yeah, and they're still projected really high. Like, like based. I mean, there's preseason lineup decisions, you know, that have happened that are gonna that easily could have bumped the Avs up the second okay. over the over the Flames. Like that's how close the that's how close the 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 margin was there. So like you look at Calgary keep. I like I I, I as far as I know this is true. Calgary keeping Cody Eakin and probably playing him 
you know, in an in a nightly spot was in drove their value down like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. So whenever the season starts, you know, Colorado is going to be that number two team, right? Okay. Instead of in, instead of you know third or whatever they were. So so the margins are really small. Um, but that all stems from like the the drop from last season's preseason number one, which is what Colorado was, to this season's preseason number three, despite winning the cup, it all stems from those departures. It stems from trying to replace Kadri with, you know, New Hook or, or JT Confer or whoever or whatever they end up doing there in replacing Kemper with Georgiev and losing Andre Burakovsky. Like those three guys, even though their replacements look to be, you know, generally competent, right? You're talking about there's not a huge loss between like giving second line center minutes to new hook, who's offensively pretty gifted and then finding a way to mix in Evan Rodriguez on the ring for Burakovsky on the wing for Burakovsky. Those aren't like, those aren't huge net losses. Um, but it was enough to kind of drive them, drive them down from, you know, one to three or however you want to slice it. You know, Calgary is going to be a fascinating team with the context of projections because they've changed so dramatically over the course of one. Like we were talking with David Amber earlier. You've got Huberto, Uyghur, Kadri. Those are fundamentally altered changes, which on paper, and I think that's what a lot of people said, on paper might actually be better than last season, but you need to see it play out in real time and where the chemistry is. And like Daryl Sutter saying that Huberto is the best passer that this franchise Mm -hmm. has ever had. (laughs) It's going to be a different look because of that, right? If it's the best passer the franchise has ever had, obviously it's going to be different. That to me is going to be a really fascinating case study in terms of what we think the Flames might be and then how it plays out in real time away from a spreadsheet and away from paper. Absolutely. I think even more than other teams, Calgary's season kind of hinges on, you know, what, how those pieces fit and what those top end, top of the lineup guys look like when we actually see them playing together for the first time in games that count. I mean, I think Elias Lindholm is a great, you know, kind of litmus test for, for how all this is going to work. You know, he's a great two-way center and he had been for a couple of years. We hadn't seen the point production out, out of him. You know, last year, as Gaudreau's five-on-five game, you know, improved, and as Kachuk's five-on-five game improved, both of those guys, by the end, in Calgary, were were good defensive players, which I'm not sure you could have said that about them, you know, a couple years ago. And they're on a line with Lindholm. And all of a sudden, Lindholm, maybe with a little bit less defensive responsibility and getting fed a bunch of, you know, passes in the slot from Johnny Gaudreau, turns into a 40-goal guy. Like, is that going to carry over? This year, like it, they certainly have a good chance because we know how good of an offensive player Huberto is. We, you know, Daryl Sutter said it a couple said it yesterday or whenever that was, right? But to see it in practice, and when you factor in, you know, defensive issues, not just with not just with Huberto, but with Tyler Toffoli, who looks like he's gonna he's gonna start on on the right wing there. You know, maybe things look different for Elias Lindholm, and that, those are the sort of questions, like especially in Calgary, that you can kind of apply up and down the lineup, right? Like what does, I know, uh, you, you know, Mackenzie Weaker was was really good away from Aaron Ekblad for 20 games last season, but now he's going to be away from Aaron Ekblad for an entire se- for an entire year. Like does he work with Cristiano? Like I don't know. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions with Calgary, even more than the average team, clearly. Which roster did you just look at and you went, blech? The Sharks. 
Yeah. The Sharks. <laughs> that was a real quick answer. You had some good options there too. Like you could have said the Flyers, you could have said the Coyotes or Chicago and you, and you went the, with the Sharks. Why the Sharks? <laughs> Part of it was because the section so so without getting too far into the process because it's not interesting. We have we have all these different sections and we kind of break them up. You know, sort of raise our hand and and I'll say like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll follow on the grenade and write about the Sharks support players," right? So that was my that was one of my jobs for the Sharks, and it was also in the stretch where, you know, we had to hit a bunch of deadlines because you know we wanted to have a bunch of stuff in before the weekend so it could get edited. So we're just cranking out all these like mushy middle, like boring ass, mediocre teams, and one of them was San Jose, who like on a top line level are a mess because, you know, they have all these expensive old players, which is going to stop them, you know, theoretically from bottoming out but they're not remotely close to being, to being a contender. And, you know, the support group specifically is just, it's just brutal. Like you're right. You're trying to find interesting things or relevant things to say about like Kevin LeBanc or, or dudes like that. And it's, it's just, it's tough. It's tough. That was the one where I was like, we're at number 24 here. Like, when is this, when is this over? How much longer do I have to do this? Are there two weeks left or, or yeah. whatever? Yeah, that was, that was a tough one. No, I'm with you. I, I, I've been watching what the Sharks have done over the last few years, and I'm just kind of like, what do you, you guys are just keep on doubling down on, on these players that are approaching 30 and you're giving them long-term contracts. Like, you guys are going to be irrelevant the one, for a the few one years. That, uh, the one from that group that, like, I still just can't even wrap my head around is a Mark Edward Vlasic. Like he was he was catastrophically bad last year. Like like this is this is a dude who at his peak was, you know, the maybe the best defensive defenseman in the league, right? Like he almost shut down like he was like the Crosby stopper. Right? It, it it almost worked. He would have played he would have been on the on the Olympic team in twenty eighteen probably if 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 that was a thing. Really, really good player. But he had a skill set that was always going to age terribly, and it somehow aged even worse than that. And the guy has like four years left on his contract at seven million. Like it's it's insane, and he's the top. He's like maybe the best example of it. But that's true across the board. Do you want to pay Logan Couture a million dollars for the next five years when he's thirty and in, and in decline? It's it's a really really tough situation, and the biggest problem for San Jose is that, you know. Those guys, whether you, some some of them it has to do with the way their deals are structured, structured. Some of them it just has to do with how badly they've fallen off. But they're not tradable assets anymore. <laughs> like Mike Greer came in and moved Brent Burns. Like other than that, like yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how you can even clear space without eating a crazy amount of salary. So yeah, and also this is just what my life has been. Like I said, for the last like three weeks, is having to think critically about you know teams I don't care about. Um, and just sort of figure out what what route they're going to take. And San Jose is the best example of that. I'm very happy to just go going to just go back to not really worrying about about groups like that because it's been it's been painful. Well, the Penguins in 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 your hometown mm-hmm. of Pittsburgh have have some old guys, but the difference between their old guys and San Jose's older guys is that these guys are surefire first ballot Hall of Famers. In Sidney Crosby, if Jenny mm-hmm. Malkin, uh, they brought Chris Letang back. Um, they added Jeff Petrie. So this is an this is an aged group. Like even Brian Rust is getting old. He's thirty years. He's thirty years old. You know, Jake Gens will be guys. old soon. Like Dude, they... Rust is Rust is one of those guys who I just can't I can't wrap my head around the fact that he's like that he's thirty now. Like he's he's an old guy. We're we're just 
we were just turning to dust in front of everybody. <laughs> Wiley veteran Brian Rust signing a contract that we're like, I don't know if he's going to be any good by the end of it. We'll see. Yeah, we all get old when we look at this sort of stuff. Uh, what do you think the Penguins are going to do this season? Are you optimistic about their chances? I think they'll probably be about where where they've been the last couple of years. You know, where they're a pretty good regular season team, and they come and they come to the postseason, and you're like, yeah, they'll be. You know, should should be good. Should should get a round or two if the goaltending hold up, holds up, right? It hasn't the last two years. You know, they should have beaten the Rangers. It was just, you know, unfortunately for them, playing against third string goaltenders counts, and that's and that's what that's what ended up happening. The year before that, Tristan Jari, you know, self destructs against against the Islanders. On and on, it's been the same story for them for a couple of years. If they if they can get you know competent goaltending, they're they're going to have a chance to win at least a couple series here, and they and they haven't. And that's and that's that's a variable, and that's the thing that's like impossible to plan for, and that's what makes writing these things like honestly frustrating. Yeah, a complete waste of time. You're like, <laughs> and you're just like, if the goaltender's good, it's not going to matter, and if the goaltender's bad, it's also not going to matter, and there's no way to account for any of it. Yeah. Like nobody could account for Shesterkin going into God mode last year, right? Just mm-hmm. like they couldn't account for. Philip Grubauer being whatever the the worst goalie half of us have have ever seen for the first five months or the first four months of the season. It just doesn't matter, and that's what makes it tough. Uh, having said that, and knowing that predictions are pretty tough in the NHL, uh, the division that I'm looking at the most outside of the Pacific Division with the Canucks is the Atlantic, just because I'm mm-hmm. wondering when there could be a change of the guard. Uh, Florida, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston, you look at their lineups and you're still like, that's a pretty good lineup, although Boston's going to have some injury issues for the first few months. Buffalo, Detroit, and Ottawa all have potential down the line. I'm just not sure when it's going to kick in. If you had to pick from those three teams, Buffalo, Detroit, or Ottawa, who is the most likely to make the playoffs this season? This season, I still kind of think it's the Red Wings. I, I know that might be, I know everyone you know loves parts of what Otto has done, but Steve Eiserman's tired of losing of losing hockey games in the way that Pierre Dorian was tired of losing hockey games, right? So he goes out and he gets David Perron, who's you know he's old, he's thirty four, but he's still a really good player and he's a really good power play guy, and that's the exact kind of thing that they needed goes out and gets Billy, Billy Husso, who, again, we're going back to the volatility of goaltending, of the goaltending market. Like, Billy Husso was a top 10 goaltender in the league last year. That sounds insane. It might not ha- it might not play out that way again this season, but it was true last year. So, Iserman went out and fixed a bunch of problems, basically. And I think that, combined with the top-line skill you have with Larkin and Raymond and Sider, uh, I think that makes them maybe not a long-term bet on par with the Senators because Ottawa's got that firepower in the forward group that's like pretty tough to match. But this year, I like them more because I because I, I think it's a better defensive group and a better goalie, and they, and they have some pieces at the top of the lineup that are closer to being you know final finished All-Star caliber products. Sean, thanks for doing this, bud. We really appreciate it. I am glad you are out of the throes of preview season, and now we can get down to the real thing next week. Enjoy the regular season, dude. Yeah, man. I'm psyched to watch some actual football on Sunday, so if you guys <laughs> want to have me on later on, I'll talk about 
whatever. Do our do our go back to our Chase Claypool. There's no Chase Claypool uh, week, updates to be update. had anymore. He never touches the ball anymore. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, because he's he's too busy losing fifty fifty battles and jumping for no reason. <laughs> okay, that's all. Goodbye, guys. See you, buddy. Thanks, Sean Gentilly from the Athletic in Pittsburgh here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Uh, okay, we've got an open segment coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Uh, the show will follow eight oh five. Dan Murphy, Sportsnet's very own, is going to join us to talk Canucks. Canucks Oilers in Abbotsford tonight. A reminder: no television. For that preseason match from Abby, but you can listen wall to wall coverage here on Sportsnet 650. We'll lead you right up to the game, and then you'll get to hear the broadcast right here on Sportsnet 650. So Murph's going to join us at 8:05 to look at that. Maybe we can get into some salary cap gymnastics. Oh, I'm sure and, he'd love that. As we try and look ahead to make those dollars, have got to make sense, Jason. Oh, I got, I got. Yeah. So we'll do that Something at 8:05 like that. with Murph, yeah. and then at 8:30 we're going to do what we learns. We can talk about all the sports. Anything you want. All you have to do is submit a what we learned. Hashtag it WWL. The Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. It is the Smalt alternative. We'll do those at 830. So that's the final hour and a half of programming here. But we do have an open segment coming up. We can get into the Canucks stuff. We can do more NHL previews. We can do some baseball previews again because the Jays will kick off a historic, I'm ready to call it, historic series against the Mariners Friday Saturday, Sunday. and Why this, is it historic? Because never these, two played teams each other? Have, these two teams have never been in the playoffs at the same time, let alone play each other. Okay. It's That's Canada's it. team versus BC's team, remember? From, from, honestly, this is, this from, a, from a lower mainland Vancouver Bowl, I think Ruff called, right? Yeah, from a lower mm-hmm. mainland and Vancouver perspective, this is a very historic baseball series. The only thing that we've talked about in connection with Vancouver and MLB, honestly, over the last five years, is the annual Jays trip to Seattle. Yeah. We talk about it every year. It gets a lot of play, and it gets a lot of play in Seattle. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that it sucks that this series is all being played in Toronto. If this was your traditional, again, and I understand it's the wild card round. It's not the ALCS or whatever. But if this was able to be bouncing back between Seattle and Toronto. It's really too bad that it's not a full series. I think you would have had a bona fide rivalry. Yeah. I think you would have had a lot of Jays fans infiltrating Seattle and mm-hmm. it kind of getting nasty. For sure. Yeah. Which is what you want. Now, we've also kind of gauged the locality in terms of where does Vancouver slash the lower mainland's allegiance lie? I would still say that although our proximity to Seattle is far greater, I don't know what number I'd put on it. 70-30 Jays. 70-30 Jays to Mariners, right? Maybe 60-40 if the Mariners were like consistently good for a number of decades. Yeah, but, but they haven't been. Well, exactly. So. I'm saying so it's probably 70-30. Like, there's a large... How much Mariners gear do you see around town That's compared a, to Blue Jays? That is a good gauge. Like, I think it's 90-10. Yeah, it could be. I see a lot of Jays gear compared to Mariners. You see, the but Mariners like fans th- are the vocal minority? What's that? Oh, you're saying the Mariners fans are the vocal minority? Here? They're really loud about it? Yeah, there are, especially in the media too. There are some twenty some to thirty percent though guys. <laughs> bandwagoners, right? So, like, you'll see Mariners gear around town theoretically if they ma- if they beat the Jays and they go on a deep run. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you'd start seeing Mariners. No, that's gear. true. That's so, true. Like, there's this twenty to thirty percent nebulous kind of bandwagoning. Yeah, like six or seven group. years ago, there was so much Blue Jays gear around town. It was it was, it was like, wow, I didn't know this was such a baseball. You know set. why there's no Mariners gear? It's because half the Mariners fans that are out there are just Mariners fans to piss off the Jays fans that live in BC. You said you're so I like angry. It. I love I love I love like I love it. But Petty you're, Greg you're, you're, you don't favorite. like the facts, then don't come to me. Bro, I'm only here to spit facts. Um, I will say this. 
I, I I'm excited by this series. I wish that it was again the in this hypothetical world that I've dreamed up, bouncing back and forth. I will also add to kind of put a capper on this conversation. You can't deny that part of the reason that you've got um, a more diminutive, maybe the small vocal minority as a Seattle Mariners fan base, because they haven't been to the playoffs in two decades. You lose fans. You lose interest. And what's more, you don't gain anybody. Like if there was a fan that got introduced to baseball, let's say a 10-year-old all of a sudden started following the Mariners two decades ago. That means they went through all their formative years, their teenage years, young adulthood, maybe even marriage and children having never seen their team participate in a postseason. Mm-hmm. That's really easy to dial out on, right? I mean, Don't you think it's almost harder in baseball, too, because there's so many games? Yeah, you go and, and it's To commit this, yourself to that. I mean, hell, we talk about the death march with the Canucks every spring. Yeah. Imagine that being extrapolated out over 50 or 60 games. Because for a lot of the time... You just have to love the sport so much at, the, at that point. And sometimes for fans, like, you ask them, you know, do you really love hockey? And they're like, yeah, I like hockey. But I love the Canucks, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to be a real lover of the sport in order to be a fan of a, of, of a team that just hasn't done anything for a couple of decades. Uh, we got a lot more to get into on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. As mentioned, there is an open segment ahead if you want to weigh in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. 8 o'clock, Dan Murphy, 830, what we learned. That's all coming up on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. You're home of the Canucks. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Curry lets it fly. Canada, the NBA title is yours. The Toronto Raptors are the 2019 NBA champions. 734 on a Wednesday, you're listening to Sportsnet 650 Vancouver, your home of the Vancouver Canucks. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, your home of the Canucks. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers, also from Vancouver. Three dealerships to serve you better, North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley, and Brard Acura on Terminal Avenue in Vancouver, not far from Rogers Arena where the Canucks play hockey. Right. That's a bit of a weird thing you're doing there. Why are you doing that? We are also brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street. What city is that in, Jason? In uh, Vancouver. That's very well done. We mentioned we have an open... so local. We're so local. We keep it local. We're we're what they call hyper-local. Yeah, so local. Like, we have our ears to the ground in a literal fashion. Mm Mm-hmm. I scrape mine up. Yeah, the, uh, that's the that, that's the price I'm. I willing passed to pay. out in the street again. That's yeah. the price I'm willing to. When pay. When I came in this morning, I had to get bruff up. I said, "What yeah. are you doing down there?" I was like, Ugh, "We're doing this again." Yeah, got to keep his ears to the streets. Bruff is pouring over elementary school baseball statistics. It's going to be a new segment. Sandlot going through talk. every elementary school in yeah. Vancouver, the Greater Vancouver area. Who yeah, deep to, dive to, to follow up on my uh, salary cap analysis. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Now, uh, okay, remember the first scenario that went that we went over. Now, that was with Brock Besser healthy and ready to go for game 1. Now, let's say he's not healthy and ready to game ready to go for game 1, but the Canucks don't want to put him on LTI. Then he would go on IR, but he would still count against the cap. We're going to go through this for every player now. Very, That'd be good radio, wouldn't it? There's, there, well, there'd be one guy that really, really wants those details. He's like, uh-huh. Okay, here uh-huh. we go. Here we go. He's got the pen and paper. What about Justin Dowling? 
He's hurt. He's injured. He I, might go on LTI, but yeah, he'll go on LTI. I'm disappointed that we only have one Sheldon this year too. I liked having the two Sheldons because mm-hmm. that was like that was like a buddy sitcom just written in. Could be a midseason Sheldon acquisition. That's true. Are there any other Sheldons out there? There's Sheldon Rempel, who's gone now. There's Sheldon Dries. Has a GM Please. ever traded for a player just because of his name? Do you think that's ever happened in sports history? I want to really say like this probably guy's not name. a good general man. I want to <laughs> say no, but I'm pretty sure that he has. That guy's got a winner's name. Let's go get him. Okay, uh, Canucks and Oilers tonight, seven o'clock from Abbotsford. The game won't be televised. We mentioned that already. Of course, you can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650. And we mentioned that the lineup tonight it looks maybe like what the opening lineup will look like for the Canucks. We won't go down the cap machinations part of it, but it's going to be a far cry from what we saw a few nights ago in Edmonton mm-hmm. where the team kind of hung around and then eventually lost 7-2. to two. Uh, In terms of preseason form, we played the cameo from Bruce Boudreau earlier. Uh, he seems very optimistic that this preseason, it's not a big deal right now. They're going to get this ship right. They're going to get this thing on track, and they're going to be ready to go when they open the season against Edmonton. A lot of Edmonton we're going to be seeing in the early stages here uh, next week. So you could see something along the lines of a – a Pearson, Miller, Garland line tonight. Hoglander, Horvat, and Pod Colson. We might see Carlson, who's kind of become intriguing, if only because he's hung around and opportunities have opened up for him, yeah. especially at forward. I wouldn't expect him to make any sort of significant contribution to the team moving forward. Guys that are gone now uh, include the likes of Will Lockwood, um, Denny Klimovich, Archie Baines. So guys that you expected to be gone are gone. Uh, and then, of course... Danny DeKaiser was released from his PTO yesterday, which was kind of a formality. Everyone saw this coming because his preseason wasn't really much to write home about. So the big story is that tonight, you a week out of the regular season, you could be getting a really good snapshot of what the opening night roster is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So pay attention on whatever form of media you're going to either stream or listen to the game tonight. Yeah, Carlson could very well play tonight. And right now, he seems like he could be a replacement for... For Besser, right? Uh, I I know that Besser was originally going to play on a line with with Pearson and Miller, but since he's been out, Garland's been bumped up to that spot. But so Carlson could be on a line with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. Um, I'm curious to see what the defense looks like because I don't know what the Canucks are thinking about the whole Quinn Hughes on the right side experiment. Mm-hmm. How they've felt that's actually gone. Um, and also what are the knock-on effects down the pairings and whether they're happy with that or not. Um, We saw Rathbone and Myers together the other day in Seattle, and there was some miscommunication on Seattle's first goal. That I I don't know, maybe they're going to be hesitant to put those two together. I'd still like to see Shen with Rathbone, but, you know, that, that all determines, you know, or, you know, you have to wonder what the second pairing is then, mm-hmm. right, too. So how the Canucks roll out tonight, I'll be curious to see how close it is to the opening night lineup that we see because I think Bruce Boudreaux wants to get his group together. Mm-hmm. And they've seen a lot of these guys like, you know, Nils Oman and, and, and Carlson, and they've seen how Hoaglander has looked. Um, so in a lot of ways – They've have the information to make the decisions right now. They don't have to make them right now, but they have the information to do that. I think there is a bit of concern from the coaching staff that the Canucks have yet to win a game in the preseason. And remember, they're trying to keep the positive vibes going. So 
if they put together a full lineup tonight and get a good win, I think that would go a long way because you definitely don't want – listen, I'm not one of these people that says, like, oh, the preseason really matters. It doesn't. But I'm also one of these people that, like, I'm not willing to say that it, it wouldn't create some sort of anxiety or maybe a little bit of doubt would creep in if the Canucks mm-hmm. went through a seven-game preseason and didn't win any games. Uh, I want to do something with regards to the defense, which you were just talking about, but I want to turn it in a totally opposite way. So all you guys pay attention because we're going to get answers from everyone on this. This is a good question. It's a Would You Rather Wednesday, which we've put on the shelf for a while, but Justin in East Van has resuscitated it. Would you rather have Quinn Hughes play the right side of the defense or move a forward back to play defense? Now, the only reason I bring this up is because the Toronto Maple Leafs have made this a story, and every writer in Toronto, I think, was legally required to write about it, where they said they're toying with the idea of moving Mitch Marner back onto the blue line in situations where, what, they were chasing a game and they needed a goal? Not unlike when you have four forwards on a power play. Yeah. You know, there's some logic and reason to it. First question I want to ask, and you all need to provide an answer. If you were to pick one current forward on the Canucks roster that you think would be best at playing on the blue line in this hypothetical situation, which really isn't a hypothetical because Toronto's going to toy with it, what Canucks forward would you pick? Andy, I'm going to throw you on the spot to begin with. Pick a Canucks forward that you think would make the best blue liner. Who would it be? Hmm. Okay. Do you want me to go for you? No, he's no, he's, he's working the, on it. The the the, the hamster spinning on the wheel. The yeah. sound of you thinking. Um, it's adorable. Damn. Yeah. Jeez. This hurts. Are you? Are you? I, what I, are you? What is your? What is your thinking process? Can you name a player on the Canucks? Talk, Lazar. 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 Yeah. Interesting. Curtis Lazar. You went defensive responsibility. Yes. Best. Well, defensive we're trying to get game. a goal here. Oh. We're trying oh, to get a goal here. Or maybe you're not. Maybe, but hmm. maybe, or maybe Lazar as a defenseman okay. has the offensive All right. upside. I'd go with Pedersen. That's interesting uh, too. I, th- I think he's the, he's the closest to a type of player like Mitch Marner. Um, he's creative. You'd want his vision and his passing ability, um, pushing I, the play up the ice. I think he's also a smart two way player. Now, you know, some people will be like, "Well, how's his backward skating?" You know, like, okay, don't, don't worry too much about like the actual defensive stuff. It's a fair because... question, but we are living in a pure fantasy world right now. And also, pick we're trying Miller. to get a goal here. JT Miller, just to see him get angry. J- JT Miller, <laughs> strictly for comedy. JT Miller, yeah. defensive stalwart. <laughs> yeah, just to see him get upset and angry, and the f bombs left right and center. Why are they making me do this? I think it would be fun. Well, I think his like... vision might help from the back end. Yeah. You know. I'd, I'd, he's like, a good passer. I'd, I'd, yes. I'd, if you, because it would be his job, Sometimes. job to defend at that point. Yeah. So he would maybe change his mindset a little bit. I, I thought Pedersen at first, I'd be concerned about guys teeing off on him when they're like, uh, especially dumping it in and then trying to hammer him on the four check. I'd be worried about that, right? Yeah. I, I also don't like the, the things that I would want out of a, a guy. The, the reason Marner makes sense mm-hmm. is because I look at the way that he plays and I'm like, I bet he could do stuff like McCarr and Hughes yeah. and Heiskanen because of the skating ability and the vision and the creativity and the passing. So I'm I'm looking at him and I'm saying that that could be the guy. To be perfectly honest, the answer is I'm not sure because they don't really have a a real prototype guy that you would throw into that position. I think it might well, it's be a bit of a rarity, right? I mean, we don't see this happen exactly, which is why it's kind of a fascinating thing because I think Pedersen might be the right answer because of his passing ability and his vision. Pod mm-hmm. Colson or Hoaglander, maybe just out of curiosity's sake. You'd need a guy that's a really fluid skater. Yeah, that's true. You know, like that's kind of the I thing. I think you'd want one with a high hockey IQ too if you're if you're talking about 
playing out of position, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and then all of a like sudden you're for, playing defense. For I, example, my, sorry not to cut you off, but do you, what's your pick? Well, I thought I was going to go with Connor Garland. That you know, was mine. Yeah, because <laughs> he's just not from the skating ability, but his creativity and ability to move the puck. Yeah. That, that's the two features that I was thinking. The first guy that I thought about where he'd be like a water bug circling mm-hmm. out of his own end and making all kinds of like angled cut moves at the blue line and ducking Jared and diving. Spurgeon, if you will. Yes, exactly. That's the guy that I thought of because – when Garland does the thing where he chokes up on his stick and he does the little spinoramas and stuff, I think it would work great in open ice if he was carrying the puck up the ice. But he's not the first guy that would jump to mind. Oh, I'm, right? I'm changing mine from Lazar. I'm stealing a Texter's Mikheyev, assuming he's healthy. Just you can't steal speed. a Texter's. Sure you can. Yeah, just, just, you didn't even have to say Lazar. Why, Lazar. just because he's fast? Yeah, and he's, he's, and he's a pretty smart two-way guy. Yeah, exactly. Those two reasons. I think you need distributors on the back end, though. Like That's where that's where your push is going to come from, I agree. right? You, you, you want guys that aren't just going to be a bullet on on the breakout. You you want someone that can look up at the ice and go, okay, where am I going to pass to? Or maybe I need to skate this out. You got distributors, good decision makers. I honestly think the obvious answer is Pedersen. And the only reason I would say maybe not Pedersen is because I'd want to keep Pedersen as a forward. Right? That's the, I think, I think, I think it's, I honestly think it's obvious. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to stick with Garland. Because I think that there'd be something really interesting there. It's just, it's just an interesting exercise. He's not a great passer, though. He's not a great puck distributor. He's smart. Um, he's yeah. smart. Yeah, he's pretty smart, I guess. I'm. I, well, honestly, I'd more, more want to see it for the visual. I think I think him dangling out of his defensive zone would be like awesome to watch. But even just and another turnover. And there we go the other Speak, way. Speaking as a goalie who's played on some bad teams and yeah. looked up the ice with the puck on my stick looking for a breakout, it's not easy. When you play on a poor team, yeah. finding an especially outlet when you're trying is not to, easy. Especially when you're trying to push the play, yes. right? Like, you can sit there. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm like you. Like, my, my if, I, if I have to make a pass, I'm just like, don't turn it over. But, like, the idea, if you're going to be playing four forwards, is, like, you got to push the play because we need a goal here. It's not about you not screwing up. It's about you making an actual positive mm-hmm. play. If Petey um, goes to the blue line, can we move Myers to forward? Okay, Snoop the dog, another good texter. That's not Snoop Dog. That's Snoop the dog. Could just be. just wrote in. Can we do the opposite and move the chaos giraffe to the wing? I I would love o- to see that. The only time that I've ever thought about it seriously is uh, the obvious one is on the power play, man advantage. Stick him in front of the goalie. He's huge, right? But we've seen it in the NHL before. I remember when Boston did it with Chara, and it didn't work because their power play stunk. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think it's as rudimentary and as simple as big guy screen. Didn't goalie. Chicago do it with Bufflin? But Bufflin was a goal scorer. Yeah, Bufflin. I think Bufflin had a more innate understanding of not just being a big dude to screen the goalie. Yeah, I think he actually. I know this sounds super like uh, obtuse and nebulous, but I think he actually got it. Like he understood that he wasn't there just to be a big body. Mm-hmm. That you have to. It's easy to go just and stand in front of the net. Yeah, you got to be creative. Cross checks. You are, you know, but you uh, honestly, when you just stand there, you end up screwing up more things because there's a natural flow and progression. <laughs> Get out of the way. Yeah, you're blocking your own shots half. The and time, also, right? you need to participate, right? Yeah. If if you're not participating in the play and you're just standing there, well, then you've only got four guys to actually make plays. And I feel like every team that struggles on the power play, that's like their last ditch effort. Okay, we're just going to stick the big guy in front. Yeah, because like again, Bufflin was dynamic because Bufflin had an offensive flair to him, right? And I just think Myers would be one of... Myers and Chara are there just as blockades for everybody in the end of it. I think Myers would have a, a, a little bit... Of ability, yeah, he's got yeah. some offensive I think he's a, creativity. He would have a little bit, but you get what where, I'm talking where about. Where Myers, where Myers struggles is when he's under pressure. 
I agree. Right? Agreed. When when he's under pressure and he has to make um, a quick decision, and hey, fair enough, it's hard. Like the other game against against the Kraken, like was was a perfect example. Um, He he had the puck behind his net. He skated into the right corner, and he looked up, and there was no forward there. Right. So that's a tough situation when you're a defenseman because you're like, what do I do here? I don't want to just throw it up the boards and then they've got an open point shot. Mm-hmm. I also don't want to necessarily put it high off the glass because I might ice it or even worse, I might take a penalty if I clear it out. So what am I going to do? Well, he tried to reverse the play, but Jack Rathbone was behind the net and he was not expecting a reversal and right. Tyler Myers kind of just <laughs> right. blindly passed it behind him. Yeah. And then before you know it, it was in the back of the Canucks net. You know, in hindsight, you look at it and go, well, what Tyler Myers probably should have do- done is just like eat it in the corner. Right. But, but that's not ideal either. Right. Because then you're not moving the puck. It's why moving the puck is a multifaceted thing that demands um, all the players on the ice. Mm-hmm be part of that execution because the defenseman can be in a great position to make an outlet pass, but if there's no outlet pass, then they're like, uh, what am I supposed to do here? And to to be fair with Myers, I mean, he's in his 30s now. When he broke into the NHL, when he played junior and he was very highly touted and he was a Calder winner, I mean, it wasn't in his, quite frankly, job description to be like a puck-moving defenseman first and foremost. When he broke in, it was very much more old school that he was a gigantic – he was an extra – Tyler Myers? Yeah. Like he, oh, I remember when I watched him, I was like, this guy can move the puck and I, he's big. I remember it being he moves the puck well for a guy his size. He was he was a size guy first and foremost. So it's gotta be a better way to say that. But he was he was he was a size guy first and foremost, right? Everyone was enamored with the package. There's gotta be a better way to say that. Yeah. But that was the size thing. guy first, everyone enamored with package. I'm not yeah, kidding. Right. All yeah, of it, yeah, all of it's yeah. there. Yeah. Um the biggest difference you can see is actually when he's maybe on the bench and his teammate and fellow blue liner, Quinn Hughes is on the ice because mm-hmm. I, Quinn Hughes has no pulse when he has the puck. He is just as calm and phlegmatic. And that's a big word that you can be. You can be, he has, he the, has the skating ability too, right? Yeah. But he I also mean, when has you the, have that sort of yeah. skating ability and the ability to pivot away from pressure, then you do look cool because it's like, this is easy, yeah. right? You and know? He, he has unbelievable patience to find little pockets of ice yeah. and wait and wait and wait and let a play develop. Now, that is also because he does not panic, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Myers, you can see at certain instances, he gets the puck on his stick, and it's like, what am I going to do with this thing? Yeah. Ah, let's just fire it somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And that, I think that has a lot to do with, again, a guy that's spent the better part of 11 years now, is it, in the NHL? You know, not necessarily being that guy and watching the game change in front of him. When Myers broke in, there weren't a lot of defensemen Quinn Hughes' size, Yeah, right? And he's a smaller guy, a diminutive guy that can really move the puck. Minor detail or correction from the inbox. Bufflin, when he came into the league, was a forward. He switched to D on the Jets. Did he not, or did he switch to D on the, the Blackhawks? Thrashers, he played forward. I remember that. They moved him back and forth repeatedly. He, he was, was actually he one did of the start crit- as a forward, though. Yes, and it was actually one of the criticisms from a various co- the various coaches got was that you couldn't keep doing this hybrid thing because he would, quote-unquote, not figure it out of position. Yeah. Like, he needed to be a defenseman or he needed to be a forward. I remember watching it because I used to watch Atlanta games when I had – the old center ice package because why did you do that he was hilarious to watch <laughs> oh really because there was no one there watching the games it's like the coach didn't care and they just let him <laughs> do whatever he wanted and in overtime they'd be like go play forward and then now go play mm-hmm. defense but also just take it the puck wherever you want whenever you want 
So he did whatever he wanted at times, right? I wonder if part of the decision to have him as a forward, even in junior, because guys are t- so Nate from Prince George, when Bufflin was with the Prince George Cougars, Nate writes, he was listed as a defenseman, but he basically played forward every shift. He could have honestly played either at the NHL level for his entire career. In my life, I you know, I, again, when I really started paying attention to hockey over the last 20 years, I know we're going to be like, there's generational talents like Crosby and McDavid and yeah. Matthews, but there's never been a more unique and quite frank. And I know he killed the Canucks and everybody hates him, but really fun player to watch mm-hmm. the Bufflin. Oh, he's great. He's he did a, his even own when thing, he was man. killing the Canucks, he was one of my favorite players. He was just so yeah. much fun to watch, so unique. There was I, nobody else like he him. He just had he was born with like superhuman strength and you could tell he wasn't like killing it in the gym. Yeah. But he would also like he could do dad strength things like yeah. pick up two guys yeah. out of the jersey That, that he famous wanted. gif. Yeah. He's got like three guys draped on him and he just pushes yeah. them all off with ease. You're, like, a, G- you're a gif guy, not a gif guy. Both Laddie and I are gif guys. Go gif. Um, <laughs> what do you think the heaviest he ever got was in the NHL? Three. Oh, in the NHL. In the NHL. Are you when, off like, season no, or no, playing like weight? In, in a game. Wasn't it like 275? He played at 300. Do you think he played at 300? I guarantee you with, he with, played without, at 300. That's with all the gear, though. I guarantee. No, no, no. That's really? That's like naked. Oh, oh, my God. Naked maybe with a protein shake. He's oh like, this goodness. is healthy, right? I thought it was 275. I guarantee you at one point during his NHL career, he would have stepped on a scale and been 300. I heard Ovi's been close to that at, at certain times. Like really? Well, well after that Stanley like the, Cup win. <laughs> he's been in like the 275s yeah. area. Like, Ovi is thick. Ovi is a big season. guy, man. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Those he's one of the few guys that I've seen in person and been like, that is a big dude. Most of the time, it's the other way around. You're like, eh, he's not that big. Yeah. You know? uh, the one for me was when we went down to Chicago and we did a, a sit-down interview with Marion Hosa. Hosa was just a gigantic dude. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about him was huge. His, mm-hmm. his thighs were gigantic. His shoulders were gigantic. Because hockey players, a lot of time you meet them and you're like, this is underwhelming. They're yeah. not yeah. Yeah. athletic freaks, right? Speaking of, and I'm going to change gears entirely here, have you seen the um, video of Victor Wembayana? Oh my God! He oh is a my giant. God! Do you guys know what we're talking yeah. about here? Is he seven four? He's seven oh, five. The projected five, first wow. overall pick in next year's NBA yeah, draft. Sorry, French I have. Guy? Yeah, that's it's that's insane. It is. It makes no sense whatsoever that he is so um, coordinated and he's so fluid when he moves. Like you would expect someone of that size to be, because mm-hmm. he's very gangly. Yeah, but there would be an awkwardness and maybe like a hitch in his step or. It's right. like Bambi when it gets on the ice, but he's carrying the ball up the floor. He had 37 points last night. It's remarkable watching him just as a as a specimen watching him. Yeah, move. how will you defend him? Like, I have no idea. It's, it seems like really unfair. I don't have no idea. <laughs> all, all the draft pundits are already saying like you need to do everything you can this year to tank. This right. is beyond McDavid. This is beyond um, whatever NFL phenom has come along in the last 10 years like this is mm-hmm. the most incredible basketball talent that we've seen in a couple of decades and you have to tank to get him wouldn't it be awful to be that height and not good at basketball if you just sucked at it <laughs> if you're just, just working in an office or, or, or something you're just like i don't i i don't i don't like sports like cab driver <laughs> you know? or something yeah, it'd be, it'd be, <laughs> and the questions you'd be asked constantly, did you play basketball? Ah, no, I, I didn't really like it. What it's did like, you do with yourself? You're like, I got into magic. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be such a disappointment to everybody. Okay, oh. uh, coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, Dan Murphy's going to join us as we prep for tonight's Canucks game and the start of the regular season. And then at 830, we're going to do what we learned. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. It is the Smalt Alternative. You are listening to your home of the Vancouver Canucks, Sportsnet 650.